You have unlocked the eternal link to internal source. The key of imagination. Your admission. Access to the enlightened dimension. A gateway at the junction of darkness and light. The place at which the chaos of our conditioned frame of mind give way to a life in constant flux, only to be mastered through vigilant discipline. Peaceful times may come, testing times may go. This is the ebb and flow. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ebb and Flow podcast. I'm your host, Evan Britton. It's great to be with you guys this evening. I hope you guys are hanging tough out there. As my good friend Jed just said a moment ago, he's not hanging so tough, he's hanging pretty weak, and I appreciated the honesty, and that's cool too, man. However you're getting through this thing, just keep breathing. We'll get through it together. Today, we've got an old friend of mine, one of my favorite dudes who I've met on my journey through the cannabis industry. Uh, he's got a ton of great information. Uh, he's a very smart guy. He's got a really cool company that I've had the pleasure of trying out myself, and I'll give you guys a, a little testimonial of that. But this episode marks the first part of a three-part series, maybe more, on cannabis and the coronavirus. So we're looking at, through these episodes, these very specific dialed-in topics, we're looking at how cannabis could benefit or have value in treating, reducing the infection rate of, etc., coronavirus. So without further ado... I welcome my brother, CEO of Endocana Health, Len May. Welcome to the Evan Flow, brother. Thanks, brother. Appreciate having me. Absolutely, man. I got to tell you, man, I love the name. It's such a creative Evan Flow. Thanks, dude. Great. I can't totally take credit for it because that's been uh, sort of my nickname from my football days. Well, makes sense. Yeah, of course. I know it's who I am, man. It's you know, it's what I'm doing here. Um, so, Len. First of all, for everyone out there, Len has an incredible company, Endocana Health, which you can do a much better, much more eloquent job of describing what the product is. But from my perspective as a consumer, it is 23andMe dialed up a notch, specified for cannabis consumers. And, and it also goes beyond that as well. But basically what you do is, Len has a system where he takes your DNA, a DNA swab, they put it into a machine, and they give you all of your genetic information. I did it. It's fantastic. It gave me a ton of great insight into my relationship with cannabinoids and various terpene profiles, what works best for me given my genetic variants, etc. It's awesome. I highly recommend it. He also took it a step further because you can get all the information through Len's company that 23andMe is giving you, and he's not going to steal all your data and sell it to Big Pharma. So that's a plus. So Len, why don't you, with that little caveat testimonial, tell everybody what your company is and what you guys do. Uh, yeah, you did such a fantastic job. I'm not sure what I can add to that, but it's, uh, the, it, we feel we're the future of cannabinoid therapeutics. Your DNA is sort of your guide and your roadmap to your experience with cannabis. The reason why we started this is we want people to avoid an adverse event. Mm -hmm. So adverse events using cannabis can be, you know, high stress, anxiety, uh, mood, etc. And what we want to do is make sure that people know what to avoid. If they're using it as like a GPS, this road over here has traffic jam, uh, it has... Uh, maybe road construction, et cetera, this is a much better road for you to take. Mm. So once you understand what your genetic predispositions are, you can avoid those potholes that will help exacerbate some of those genetic predispositions. Uh, we also look at um, dosing using metabolic markers, what type of metabolizer you are. So if you're a poor metabolizer, maybe take less. Also, if you're a poor metabolizer, you may not have a good experience 
consuming an edible or mm. your liver will do the 11 oxyhydroxide uh, conversion, but also it'll be much more intense, a longer experience, and it can also trigger some genes that are predisposed to psychosis or psychotic like effects. Mm. So, you know, I'm sure we've all heard of people having a pretty bad trip yeah. having an edible, you know, so <laughs> that's, that's one way, but also for CBD, even for CBD, some people are rapid metabolizers. They don't need as much, and they're really creating expensive urine. They're peeing out most of the stuff they're mm. taking, and they don't need it. And then the third thing is drug interaction. So mm. some people take prescription medications, and they want to get off using cannabis. And some of them interact negatively with cannabinoids. And we look at prescription medications and give you uh, indication what to, uh, if you're consuming a prescription medication, how to make sure that you don't combine both of them together, stagger your consumption basically. So it's a way to personalize your cannabis experience all the way down to not only specific formulations like a ratio of cannabinoids and terpenes, but also trying to match them with specific products using test results from products and giving you what products are best for you and what you may want to avoid. So valuable, man. So valuable in this day and age. I mean, now that Cannabis continues to, and I, I mean, I believe that at some point we're going to see a federal legalization, a federal descheduling. What do you think? Do you think, I mean... It has to happen. Yeah. It has to happen. It has to happen. I, I mean, feel like it's got to be somewhere on the horizon. Well, I think this election is going to be very interesting. Yeah. I think people are using it, no pun intended, as a trump card. <laughs> So, so some people may actually <laughs> some some people may actually pull that out if they need to. Uh, I mean, the scheduling is a must. It, it, the scheduling makes no sense. Yeah. You have other. You know, I don't have to go into it, but you have other substances that are scheduled two, three, four. So the, the scheduling is going to happen. If you look at what the FDA is doing with the CBD rules right now, they're going to come out with regulations on CBD. Mm. Uh, that's happening really soon. The issue with that is that. The CBD market being unregulated is so unregulated that right now uh, the FDA put out a report. They took 147 companies and they tested their products for percentage of CBD. (laughs) And only 50% of them had exactly the percentage of CBD that they said on the labels. So they understand they need to come in and regulate that just for standards. I think that once they do that, it's going to have to be descheduled. Mm. It's the Wild West out there. It's getting better. It's it is. Wild, right? It was the Wild West many years ago when I used to walk around with backpacks of uh, weed on me. <laughs> and that, that was the Wild West. I now, would love to see that one. <laughs> I have stories. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do, dude. Um, well, it's so interesting. So what are the foreseeable new CBD regulations coming out from the FDA? Is it all having to do with compliance and product uh, reliability and all of that yeah, stuff? Yeah, it's exactly that. It's, it's basically looking at it as a nutraceutical. Uh-huh. So they're going to try to see what standards they can put in as the nutraceutical standards, and they're going to have people comply to CGMP, making sure it's good manufacturing practices. Uh, the testing standards have to be consistent, mm. so you have to have calibration standards. So mm. one of the things we experiment with once in a while, when we have a formulation that we license out, we send it to like four or five different labs. And sometimes we get different results. Mm. And I'm not really blaming the lab for doing something nefarious. It's about calibration standards. What uh-huh. do you calibrate your equipment to versus, you know, lab B? So everything has to have some standards where we have a product that we can rely on. Uh, you walk into, you know, a GNC or, or a CVS or any, anywhere else that you're going to buy a therapeutic product, a wellness product. You want to make sure that's consistent. And you want to make sure whatever's on that label is actually what's in there. So those are the kind of standards I think they're going to start regulating in the CBD market. Mm. So are we at a place now where CBD is fully legal? Well, hemp-derived CBD is legal under the farm bill. Okay. 0.3% THC is legal under the farm bill. Uh, to be able to have commerce with. Uh, what's not really legal and is gray, how you add that hemp-derived CBD into a product. Mm. So if you're putting it into an edible, into a chocolate or something like that, 
there is no real standards on how you consume that CBD. Mm-hmm. So they have these standards on the farm bill, where you can grow and where you can commerce, but how you add it to different things, we don't have those standards or regulations yet. Mm. That's so coming. that's, okay. Um, and then CBD is legal. Sorry, I'm going through this because it, it's sort of been a while since I've talked yeah. about this, the legality of cannabis and CBD. I'm just prefacing. I'm, I'm not an attorney. No, I know. Or a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I know, dude, but you know more than me at this point. I don't know. Um, okay, so that being said, <clears throat> there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out, especially yeah. lately mm-hmm. with this whole coronavirus pandemic mm-hmm. and the viability of cannabis. And it looks like CBD in particular as a potential treatment slash uh, preventative Mm -hmm. slash uh, vaccine Mm -hmm. from one study. Um, There's a lot of really interesting information coming out and cannabis getting a lot of pub lately and very mainstream news media, which I think is a positive thing overall to bring light to the plant again, which is interesting to me how this plant keeps surfacing as our, as our potential savior. Never, never goes away. I know. It's been dude. here for thousands of years. It's I know, not going right? anywhere. <laughs> it's going to outlive us with the cockroaches. Oh, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt about it. So let's talk about cannabis. So let's talk about, so cannabis, the cannabis plant contains over a hundred different cannabinoids, namely, or most most well known CBD and THC, mm-hmm. um, which interacts with our body's endocannabinoid system. Correct. To take that further, our bodies produce endogenous cannabinoids on their own mm-hmm. to facilitate. The endocannabinoid system, through research, has been understood to be connected with uh, our appetite, our mood, our how we feel and deal with pain, and our sleep. Mm-hmm. Now, taking that understanding, and there's there's a lot of information about how we produce our own endocannabinoids through exercise. Uh, are there any other ways that we produce them on our own? We produce them on our own all the time. All the time. <clears throat> we, so going back to your previous statement about CBD, I just want to kind of close that. Uh, yes. It's very easy for the uh, federal government and for studies that are being done to kind of point to CBD. The reason why is because there is a medication uh, right, called right. Epidiolex that actually went through FDA clinical trials. So it's very easy to say, okay, we went through a clinical trial with that. We understand what the adverse effects are, which is liver toxicity. The adverse effects on liver toxicity were because it's such a high dose of CBD, uh, and there's other substances in Epidiolex by GW Pharmaceutical Mm -hmm. that may actually have that interaction. So CBD is something to study much easier than THC because you can get it more readily and it's available because they have a track record of that. Uh, other right. cannabinoids, not yet. And the way, so in the way the cannabis works within your body, think about it as, uh, I, I look at it as like sort of a puppet master. Mm. So it's your major modulator. The, mm. the goal of uh, your endogenous endocannabinoid system is to keep you in balance, mm-hmm. homeostasis. Yes. Right? So, uh, so it's always creating endogenous endocannabinoids. They're always being created uh, more or less uh, in andamide and uh, 2-AG and then... Uh, and then we have different receptor sites to be able to accept the phytocannabinoids in the plant, but it's always a personal experience. How much of different phytocannabinoids you need may be different than what I need, and it has to do with genetic predispositions and, and also epigenetic, which is your lifestyle, what you do. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying exercise, great. What if somebody doesn't exercise? What are, do they need more? Do they need less? So it's not like a one-size-fits-all model. Right. I think that's super important. For this conversation in particular. Um, okay, so the endocannabinoid system keeps our bodies in homeostasis. Mm-hmm. 
In more specific terms, it regulates our hormones. Mm-hmm. Correct. As like, like you Correct. said, a modulator. Correct. Um, and to maybe a bigger picture view, if you're talking in purely layman's terms, you could say that cannabis, cannabis number one effect on a human body is to reduce and manage inflammation. Uh. Certain cannabinoids, yes. That's okay. one of the effects. <clears throat> so the way I like to look at it is THC binds to the CB1 receptors. What THC does, it helps to regulate and modulate your, uh, because that's where most of the receptors are, uh, your central nervous system, your brain, your amygdala. So think about it as mood mm. and then pain and anything that has to do with your central nervous system. There mm. are still CB2 receptors there, but mostly that's where you get the effect. From the THC. From the THC. CBD gotcha. has an affinity to the CB2 receptor and produces enzymes to modulate your immune and digestive system. Uh. So it's not only like hormones that it regulates, it regulates the other systems. So it's the master system on top of other systems that regulates uh, when your immune system needs a boost, uh-huh. then you know the combination of cannabinoids, and you said 100, uh, I was talking to an Israeli scientist, uh, Dr. Miri, and he said he, they discovered in their lab close to 500 different components in the cannabis plant. So when you're isolating these components and, you know, the pharmaceuticals are saying, well, what happens when you're just taking one component of works, but it's the the combination of all those Uh with our DNA. How does that all work together? It's a very, very complex, but, uh, you know. What do we call that? Entourage effect. Entourage (laughs) effect, baby. The entourage effect. That's it. Hell yeah, dude. Um, Well, that, that has really been the bane of the pharmaceutical industry. When it comes to cannabis, right? Because there's so many various components that seem to work very synergistically with one another mm-hmm. to produce or create an effect in the body mm-hmm. or to treat or to prevent various issues, ailments, symptoms. And the pharmaceutical industry really works on one molecule to treat one thing. Right. Right? Yep. Exactly. But now, these fuckers... <laughs> they have to take a look at this plant because it just keeps punching them in the face. So here we are. We've got coronavirus. Yeah. So what is coronavirus? What do we understand about it? What is this virus doing in our bodies? Well, coronavirus, once again, not being a doctor, I'll give yep. you my layman's explanation. It's a family of different viruses uh-huh. that uh, that are related to influenza, upper respiratory, usually infection. So uh, it's a cousin of SARS yep. because this is a SARS-CoV-2 yep. uh, variation. So it's a mutation of that virus according to what it genetically does. And it's an upper respiratory virus, uh, very easily easily to transmit to another person. Uh-huh. Uh, it affects different people differently. We were just looking up uh, before this, uh, our a website uh, you can say wait, wait, LA, it is LA, LA Health Department. They said it's a it's a virus that affects different people differently, <laughs> with many different symptoms ranging from nothing to a lot. So we really nailed it, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we're, they're they're on it. Yes. <laughs> well, I guess you know that's part of what I want to do with this podcast, man. I want to get down to like because there's so much shit out there. Yeah. There's so much information. And then you throw it into social media mm-hmm. and everybody gets to whip it around in their consciousness and then spit it back out however they understand it. But it's like, what do we really have? Like, what do we have? We've got coronavirus is a SARS virus, a right. severe acute respiratory syndrome. So it heavily affects the lungs, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always do that for whatever reason. Correct. Um, and so I'm curious from your perspective, have you seen anything in your testing, in the genetics testing, that was interesting to you as far as people who would test positive or people who had tested negative or whatever sort of little idiosyncrasies there might be that 
hint or give us some look behind the curtain of what's going on genetically or molecularly? Well, so genetically, the research shows that the virus enters through a, uh, a receptor, a, a genotype related to the ACE uh, genotype, polymorphism, ACE, uh-huh. ACE2 most likely. So people that have specific polymorphisms associated with the ACE receptor, they seem to be more susceptible, according to research, to actually getting the virus. Now, what it does in the body is different, but that, that's one thing. Also, what we learned through our research is people that have genetic predispositions to uh, severe other acute uh, respiratory viruses, uh, influenza, severe influenza, uh-huh. asthma, etc., they seem to be more prone to having a predisposition to getting the, uh, uh, the COVID-19 virus and actually having more severe symptoms. But it also is complicated because it depends on what other pre-existing conditions they have. So it's diabetes, mm. it's uh, heart disease, it's, uh, it's other, other respiratory, respiratory uh, conditions exactly, that, that may contribute to that. So I know a lot of people who were diagnosed with COVID. I don't know anybody that that passed. Uh, not saying like you know that it absolutely happens, but if you can kind of go back and see what was there a pre-existing condition? Yes, they were older, but what else was there? Are they diabetic? Are they asthmatic? Or do they right. have other immune challenges? So we don't know all that yet, but. You know, so there are genetic predispositions that you should be aware of. And if you have these genetic predispositions, especially because it's related to influenza and it's related to SARS, if you look at it, it's 97% identical to uh, SARS. Mm. And in, in some, in some uh, parts of the virus, it's 100% identical. So it's very, very close to what the SARS virus. So we only know. We don't have a SARS vaccine, by the way. Uh-huh. There was never a SARS vaccine. Interesting. We have some herd immunity, uh-huh. never vaccinated. So is there a reason why we have to have a vaccine for, for this? Or do we just make sure that we have enough of the virus in our bodies so we train our antibodies how to actually fight and do what it's supposed to do? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's the question. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> Woo! Man, I love that question. It's a good question. So, okay, so we got coronavirus. Mm-hmm. It's a SARS virus, mm-hmm. a severe acute respiratory syndrome that affects the lungs very heavily. Mm-hmm. Now we've got this research surfacing. Maybe, I don't know, Kyle Turley, my dude, my, <laughs> my brother, uh, said on an earlier, in a, in a much earlier conversation that him starting this, this social media war saying that cannabis can cure COVID, which, hey, man, we need revolutionaries, baby. We need the energy to be pushed and the envelope to be pushed. And we need somebody to take us out to the outer ends of the stratosphere to start figuring out what's real because we're in such a, we're in such a stalemate, you know, trying to figure this out. We're, we're all, it feels like most of the world is sitting around waiting for our government to figure out what to do next. And yeah. then, you know, let Bill Gates create a vaccine for us. Rush a vaccine out. Let's do that. <laughs> that doesn't have sufficient testing, and we don't know if it works or not. But, By the way, yeah. there's, there's never been a successful RNA vaccine ever created in history. Right. We've never made one. Yeah. Just, just something to think about. <laughs> so, Turley, I think he likes to say, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but that he sparked this idea to research cannabis and COVID. And what do you know? Not that long after he started the conversation, whether that's true or not, I, hey, man, what is that theory of, it's like the hundred monkeys on an island, they do something, mm-hmm. and then somehow basically through the air particles or just the the ripples that that sends through the universe it hits the monkeys on the other island and they learn how to do that thing the, the butterfly effect boom that's it that's it butterfly flaps its wings in australia and we get a tsunami 
Right. That's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so all of this research has started. And there's a bunch of interesting, very interesting topics being covered. One from the University of Nebraska and the Texas Biomedical Research Institute are study, studying CBD to treat inflammation, specifically lung inflammation caused by COVID. We've got um, from the University of Lethbridge in Canada, cannabis strains to reduce COVID infection rates. We've got from another university of Saskatchewan in Canada, cannabis as a COVID-19 vaccine. And then also, there was another one from Israel. Mm-hmm. What's the study in Israel? Uh, yeah, so the study in Israel is taking CBD with a specific blend of terpenes that showed a lot more, uh, showed to be more um, greater efficacy than CBD alone and other anti-inflammatory drugs to treat COVID-19. Interesting. We're doing a, a trial on there now. Interesting. So from your perspective, when does this make sense? Well, logically it makes sense because if you're looking at inflammatory uh, markers and you're looking at inflammatory type of viruses, you, cannabis is absolutely mm. amazing at treating that. In addition, cannabis itself helps to reduce stress in different people. And I think that even if if you're using it as an anti-inflammatory agent, but also the side effect is a reduction of stress, you're actually boosting your immune system to help you fight any of the pathogens, any of the viruses that are entering your body. So it makes total sense what you know, people probably won't like this. Blanket statements are very difficult to make. We don't know enough about COVID. We don't even have a definition for it yet. You know, it's anything to anything to everybody and it's different. So we don't know. I, I just, the, the whole thing to me is, I, I would look at it as a preventative measure, as a preventative uh-huh. tool to be able to see what you can do to boost your immune system. For certain people, it actually reduces their immune uh, system. So you have, Interesting. To, you have to be aware of what it is that you're consuming and how you're consuming it. The other thing is that as a treatment, it can be a really good treatment for that inflammation. You were mentioning about the lung inflammation, other inflammation. Absolutely. But if you are diagnosed with COVID, I I would say that let your immune system try to do the first battle. Let let the troops get out and and try to fight themselves and then support the troops afterwards because sometimes having a uh, anti-inflammatory response may not be the best response in a cytokine. You don't mm. want to you want to make sure that your natural killer cells attack to the best you can, especially if you have a pretty healthy immune system. Because what happens is, since cannabis is a modulator, it can actually suppress your natural immune response when it needs an active immune response. So just be aware of that. It's not a blanket statement. Can it help? Absolutely. I mean, 500 different components, it's finding the right amount of how much of each one do you need for that individual that we can, uh, uh, that we can probably create some, some therapeutic uh, you know, medicines for that. It's really interesting. So the thing that they're saying is deadly seems to be this cytokine superstorm that occurs Mm -hmm. in certain individuals. And a cytokine is a protein released by your, I mean, they say in, in a layman's article, they say your immune system, but what is your immune system really? It's your lymphatic system. Mm -hmm. It's your nervous system. Mm Mm-hmm. What glands are involved in that? I'm not sure. Do you know? No, I don't know glands. But there is no <laughs> such thing as actually your immune system. Like you can't cut open a body and find the immune the, the mechanisms of the immune system like you can. Yeah, so you have, you have uh, different proteins and stuff that create, there's different cells in your body that are supposed to, uh, white blood cells, natural killer right. cells, T cells, yeah. etc. They're supposed to be able to control different viruses that are not native in your body, and we have them all the time. There's right. a battle 
going on inside of us every single day, all day long, yeah. where you know pathogens are attacking and our our army is beating them. So that's that's what it is, and that's what that's what it does. Sometimes your immune system is your worst enemy. Uh-huh. People have autoimmune disorders where you have an overactive yes. immune system, and that's actually the cytokine storm is an overactive immune response. Right. And one of the things that I think was happening when you're putting people on respirators yes. and you're preventing them. Uh, I'm not saying this is good or bad, but I'm sure lives were saved. But the cytokine storm, you're not allowing your own immune system to be able to modulate itself. You're having an overactive immune response that creates all these fluids, especially when the virus enters your air sacs in the bottom of your lungs. Mm. Once it does that, it creates, um, it creates that inflammation, which then in turn creates um, all these... Uh, um, liquid and, and pus and all these other things and they start blocking your air sacs and when they do that you're actually starting to get um, carbon dioxide being pumped into your organs and you start shutting down your organs instead of oxygen going mm. through in your bloodstream so that overactive immune response maybe there's another way to be able to address that and an overactive immune, re- immune response has been shown to be controlled by cannabinoids. Mm. So cannabinoids can actually modulate that overactive immune response. That's why it's so good in autoimmune disorders like autism, etc., because it's able to modulate some of those overactive immune responses. Oh, that's interesting. Autism is, is categorized as an autoimmune. Autoimmune, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of different disorders that, uh, that people have that are regulated by your autoimmune system. Uh-huh. And, and if you have an overactive immune response, that's not good. If you have an underactive immune response, that's not good. Mm-hmm. So it's being able to find that middle ground that's being able to control and regulate your immune system for yourself. It's so interesting. Um, it would be really, I think it would be fascinating to have some sort of study come out of all of this to say or show how cannabis users fared during the coronavirus pandemic because i'd be willing to bet they've probably done pretty well well i think positive or negative (laughs) i think cannabis sales are up everywhere so at the very least at the very least people are uh uh saying you know i'm gonna be home i'm gonna have some cannabis i'm gonna relax and you know what that relaxation totally can actually help your immune system totally because what does the fear and the anxiety do that reduces it uh, for sure, for sure, right? And then, and then yeah. So there's so a whole being stressed out, being afraid, being in this fight or flight state. Your immune system totally, uh, your immune, your immune response goes way down. Th- that's one of the worst things you can do. You know, my my mom was like, yeah, you know, stress is the cause of every disease. Yeah, and she's right. But I always want to know why. Uh-huh. And and there there is a certain response to stress that we have. Uh, you know, naturally, we need that response because, yeah. you know, there was something rustling in the in leaves and there's a lion and we need to fight or, yeah. no, hopefully not a lion, run. but we or run. Yeah. But now it's, it's, it's in us. So we have to be very aware of how to regulate that. And when we learn how to regulate that, and I mean, you do a great job with, uh, you know, deep breathing and meditation and yoga, yeah. and everybody needs to understand that sometimes when you have this fear response that it may just be our bodies telling us something is up. Just be aware something is up. But certain people actually have predispositions to have an, a greater response to stress. And mm. what happens is... What are some of those genetic markers? Yeah, there's a gene called FA, F-A-A-H. Uh-huh. And what it does, it releases, uh, it actually degrades or modulates an andamide. And andamides are endogenous endocannabinoid. Um, does, are, this is something that I've always been confused about. Does anandamide, mm-hmm. which is one of our body's endogenous cannabinoids that we create, mm-hmm. is that more... Um, reflective of cbd or thc or is it somewhere in between yeah it's it's more thc remember uh, uh interesting brain, right so anandamide this specific amount is released from the amygdala part of the brain uh-huh so what yeah. it does it's your bliss hormone yeah right? you know this Ananda. non yeah bliss. Ananda, yes, yes bliss so it's your bliss hormone so this is what 
is released during the euphoric state of THC. When you get THC released, it gives you a euphoric feeling, and that's anandamide. THC mimics that mm-hmm. when it binds to the CB1 receptor. What FA does, it actually, um, it actually degrades anandamide. So it actually, it, it, so it eats it like Pac-Man, basically. Interesting. So if you have more, uh, if if you have more FA than the average person, you actually produce less anandamide. And anandamide is a must in order for you to deal with, you know, stressful situations. Interesting. So think about it this way: if um, if somebody's got a fear of uh, of COVID or or is watching the news twenty four seven, like I know many people that are doing that, they're in heightened degrees of stress. They're constantly stressed. So what happens is you have all these different chemicals that are pumped into your bloodstream, dopamine, norepinephrine, yeah. cortisol. Yeah. And then what that does, it actually uh, elevates your pH level in your body. Mm. You become more acidic. Interesting. One of the things your immune system really doesn't like is high pH. Yes. So it starts responding, reacting to that. And it does that through an overactive immune response, like a cytokine storm or another one. What we feel is inflammation. We get inflammation. Once we get inflammation, the feeling of discomfort or pain goes to a central nervous system. We feel that, and our brain wants to release anandamide to be able to regulate that. So as we see that there's no lion chasing the jungle, anandamide's released, and it gets us back to normal homeostasis. Mm. But if some people produce less anandamide than the average population, they keep, they're in a heightened state, and they keep pumping cortisol, it goes in your gut health. Now you have IBD, IBS, whatever you call it. Now Interesting. people are affecting their gut health. Your whole body's out of balance. A little bit of THC binds to the CB1 receptor and actually help to supplement the amount of anandamide that you don't have. But if you take too much THC and you're prone to heightened anxiety, you can say, Shit, my, my, I, it was triggered. I'm freaking, it's that, it's that, oh my, which, you know, you'll freak out until the receptor unbinds. Uh-huh. And then, uh, it's been shown in studies that CBD is a, an adverse agonist of THC. Yeah. I've seen both studies saying disproving it, but I've seen, oh, really? A, yeah, but I've seen anecdotal data. We, I know yeah. if you take CBD, a lot of CBD and THC, it'll help that, uh, unbinding efforts. It'll be less, uh, you know, less prone to that binding. But if you get that right ratio and you have a little bit of THC to supplement that, yeah, I mean, I think you can get more in a happier state. And if when you're in a happier state, you know, your immune system is uh, thanking you for Absolutely, that because you're back yeah. in balance. Absolutely. I mean, I'm pretty, you know, we live in this strange time where unless you're working in a laboratory with a white coat on, and you've got a label that says virologist or biologist or fucking scientist of any creed. Mm-hmm. And it is a creed, y'all, because <laughs> fucking science is dogma. It's become dogma for many people, which is not a good direction to head in. Because at the end of the day, this is, we're still talking about scientific theories. Am I right, Len? You're absolutely right. We're talking about scientific theories. Nothing has actually been proven. This is what we hypothesize through the scientific method Yeah, well, in I various can, forms. Yeah, but I can tell you things that have been proven. Yeah. So there, there is research that has been proven. Using the scientific method, you have to go through, you have to prove your method, your hypothesis, and then other people have to replicate it. Right. That's the only way it becomes Fact. It's right. either yes or no. Yes. But you have to replicate it. So this peer reviewed and replicability. That's it. Yep. So I can tell you asked me a question. I, I gotta look at my notes because I don't remember off the top Do of my it, head. Brother. So allergic reunitis, which is an internal nasal inflammation, created congestion, runny nose, uh-huh. that's a predisposition to a possible immune deficiency. COVID. Severe symptoms. Yes. Uh, and there's a gene associated with what's called B D N F. Uh, it's a neuroplasticity gene, and the heterozygous part of that gene is makes you more susceptible to infections like SARS. I, I'm, I don't know COVID 
yet in enough, particular. but because it's very similar to SARS, I would say that it's a coronavirus and it, it's very... Um, Wait, uh, BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor? Exactly. That Interesting. One. Yes, that's absolutely right. So what does that mean? What did you call it? What, what was the word you used? Allergic rhinitis, which is an internal nasal inflammation that causes congestion, runny nose, and sneezing. Interesting. But what is the heterozygous? Yeah, so it's the allele combination, the polymorphism on the alleles. Uh, I'm getting science, but I'll explain yeah, yeah. So. I like the science, right. dude. I know you do. So I'll get, that's why I'm getting science with you. Um, you. So our DNA speaks to us in four letters. There are nucleotides, a C, yep. a T, an A, and a G. It's the same thing computer speaks in ones and zeros. Right. And we have GUIs on top of that and user interfaces. Yep. That's our DNA. We inherit our DNA from our parents. Mm. Uh, we inherit a combination of those nucleotides, an A and a C or an A and an A. When you inherit the same two letters, it's called homozygous. Mm. When you inherit the two different letters, it's called heterozygous. Ah. Yes. Now, in, in DNA, when we inherit some of those, we inherit them from our parents. We can't change those, uh, meaning that th- they already expressed in you. So your height, your um, hair color, your eye color, uh, male pattern baldness like me. Oh. There's a, you know, I inherit them. I, no matter what I do, my lifestyle, they're going to express themselves. But there's other genes that are... What are those genes? The what, ones that will express themselves no matter... You don't have a choice. Well, they're, they're, they're specific polymorphisms. Okay. They're, locked, they're locked in with what you're actually born with. Uh-huh. And there are certain genes, and there's different charts of which genes have the epigenetic expression uh, that you can modulate through lifestyle. Uh-huh. So when I say lifestyle, what you put in your body, your nutrition, uh-huh. uh, your use of cannabinoids, your uh, mindset, your um, how you live your life uh-huh. can actually help to turn those genes on or off. Uh, we were just talking about like freaking out on cannabis. Well, it, you can smoke weed all your life and be great. All of a sudden, you took a dab hit, and you have a panic attack. And I've seen this happen many times. <laughs> and then the person's gene is triggered, and they're like, I went back to smoke my weed. I'm having panic attacks I all the time. I can't THC anymore. No. Interesting. I and, and you can, but you have to find what the right ratio is. Uh-huh. But if you know this about yourself in the beginning, you know this. So these, these genes, is like allergic reunitis. If you understand that you have a genetic predisposition to this, you, you have to take extra precaution possibly. Mm. And then you figure out how you modulate BDNF. And the same, there's a couple other ones. Like uh, there's people who are susceptible to asthma. There's a certain group of people that are susceptible genetically to asthma. And there's a gene for that. Uh, it's TNF, tumor uh, necrosis. Um, oh, yeah I, yeah. I read about that one. And then, and then you have the influenza genes, which are uh, CD55, t- uh tumor necrosis, and then you have IL-117 and a couple yes. other interleukin genes. Uh-huh. And these, so I'm, I'm building a case because if you think about this and you see the research coming out on TNF, on tumor necrosis, on interleukin, they all have to do with a glycoprotein uh, response to COVID-19. All the studies are looking at that, and that is your immune response. That is what the glycoproteins mm. are doing. Mm. So if you're looking to susceptibility genetically to COVID, maybe there's a parallel between other coronaviruses and that. So you have genetic predisposition, knowing that up front, take specific measures to be able to avoid that and maybe boost your immune system. And cannabis is a great tool to do that. Yeah, I think that that, to me, if there's anything to get out of this conversation... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is there, is there anything? Is there anything? More <laughs> cannabis. No. But seriously, on that note, because all of the information, none of the information coming out is about how to better boost your immune system. If you are susceptible, if you're not susceptible, what the fuck do we do? You know? Uh, to me, it's like, well, let's carry on. Let's continue. Let's really dial in our nutrition. Let's make sure I'm getting a good sweat in every day to flush the lymphatic system and get all the toxins out. Let me get in the sun. Let me get some fresh air. 
and let me take in the nutrients that I know help boost my immune function, whether that's cannabinoids or vitamins, supplements, et cetera, whatever it is. Yeah, you, you said you said right. I was listening to Dr. Rhonda Patrick, and she was talking about yeah, all the studies great. they were doing on vitamin D. So Yes, I, vitamin D is a huge... Absolutely. There's a huge correlation, it seems like, between severity of COVID and vitamin D deficiency. Yeah, and we all have vitamin D deficiency. Right. So we all should... You know, get in the sun, like you said, but also take a supplement. But sometimes these supplements interact with other things like cannabinoids. So you have to be aware of what you're consuming. Zinc uh, has some interaction affinity and it actually boosts your immune system. So if you're on zinc supplements, be aware that there's some interaction between cannabinoids and Interesting. zinc. So, what can that do? Uh, well, there's some adverse. When you mix drugs together, you don't know. So sometimes what happens is it can boost the efficacy of the zinc. So now you're getting way more zinc than you wanted. It can reduce the efficacy of the zinc, or it can create toxicity when both of the molecules bind together. They can create something else. Interesting. So just being aware of that. Look, here's, here's what I think. Through this whole process of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, COVID, my opinion is it showed us the weakness of the medical community's response to um, being preventative. Uh-huh. So there's there's a big response, but I think what's going to happen is we're going to start feeling much more empowered to be able to be in better control over our own health. Yeah, Knowledge is power. If you know what your genetic predispositions are, that's one thing. Now you know your microbiome, what's going on in your gut. Your gut and my gut are completely different. We, we're taking probiotics, but you have different gut bacteria right. than me. I need a different probiotic. I have superfoods that are right for me. You have superfoods that are right for you. Yeah. So being able to gather all this knowledge is going to empower people to take better control of their health, mm. mental, physical, all that stuff. And then we're going to talk about, you know, cannabis to me is a, a supplement. Yeah. I would take my cannabis every day like I do my vitamin D, like I do yeah. my, my uh, vitamin C and everything else. Yeah. And that's the goal. And the goal is to be able to find out what's right for you. And you're absolutely right. Boosting your immune system is key. And it's all those things together. Get enough sleep. Drink yes. water. Uh, you know, and, and get enough sleep. The sleep, sleep is different. It's different for different yeah. people. Yeah. You know, and so, some people sleep 10 hours a day and they're exhausted every day. Well, you're, yeah, but you're, you're, you're an alpha state. You've never even hit your REM state. You've never got rested sleep. I know people who sleep for five hours and they're like cheery and scared. That's Wake all up I like need. a hummingbird. That's all I need. Totally, man. So everything is personal. Ah, it's such a good point, dude. It's such a good point. Um, God, dude, we're so far down the rabbit hole. I don't know where we're at. <laughs> well, you were talking. I have I have a little bit more information about that study in Israel that just came out. Yes. I just had a call yes. with uh, uh, with Ibna uh, this morning in Israel, and the study is done by Canisol. Uh David Miri Deddy is uh, the medical director, I believe, of Technion, in uh, who's conducting the study under the um, under Canisol. And what they saw was big cannabis research group in Israel. Yeah, huge, massive. Yeah, yeah. One of the and, world foremost in the world. Yeah, and Deddy's world-renowned expert, right. and uh, you know, yeah. we we try to get a lot of his uh, research uh, as much as possible. But the research is for CBD with terpenes, uh, CBD alone, and uh, corticosteroids okay. for a reduction of inflammation. So their terpene blend with CBD uh, worked twice. Uh, as well as all the other S-Cortico and a CBD alone. Interesting. So that's, and they, it's a proprietary uh, formulation that they're using for their terpenes. But what, Do what we is, know any of the terpenes that are involved in there? Uh, they're calling it, uh, they, it's trademark, they're calling it NT-VRL. I don't know what the terpenes are yet, but I will find out. Uh, <laughs> but More to a, come. Yeah, there's a dosing protocol on that. It's uh, 10%. Uh, our 10 mLs plus CBD was most effective. That's okay. what that's what their protocol is. So what does that mean? Uh, 10 mL of milliliters. The, uh, uh, milliliters. Uh, uh, UG so per milliliter. It's the, the 10 dropper. U- yeah, it's 10. It's uh, it's a dropper of the terpene blend with CBD was most effective. So you think about it this way. So it's not only finding what works, but what is the dosage that works for different people? Right. And yeah. So. 
Cannabis to me as a preventative, absolutely. And then also method of consumption. I, I just want to put this out there, combustibles. Yeah, that's what I was going to say next. I mean, well, we're talking about CBD reducing inflammation in the lungs. Are right. we talking about smoking it, yeah. vaporizing it? Like, how do we get that in there to get the most potent, efficient dose? I, 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 I would avoid combustibles as uh-huh. much as possible because any single time you put anything in your lungs, it weakens your lungs. Mm. So combustibles, like, by the way, I do it myself, so I'm, you know, don't, <laughs> don't do as I do, I guess. <laughs> but I take a tincture in the morning. Well, what does that say, though, Len? I'm a hypocrite. As a respo- <laughs> no, but I mean, as a responsible, yes, as a responsible professional cannabis advocate, who owns a cannabis company, you want to say, okay, we should stay away from the smoking, the combustibles. Well, I'm, I'm saying that my, my immune system, do what you want to do personally. I'm not, my immune system is something I work on all the time. Uh-huh. To me, uh, yeah, it's you know, your life. smoking a joint at night, I don't feel personally that it's going to really affect my immune system or reduce my lung capacity anyway. Because I'm doing all these other things. Now, if you have predispositions or you have some other immuno, I would actually try to avoid a combustible. Uh, use it as a tincture, sublingual on your tongue, buccal, uh, you know, gel cap. I'm not a big fan of, uh, you know, going through the liver. But if you have to, you know, that's, that's a better consumption method if you're concerned about your lungs. Because this is a, uh, you know, a virus okay. that attacks your lungs. But at the end of the day... You have to do what you have to do for yourself and make a decision. If, you have, if you're symptomatic and you're looking at cannabis as a way to reduce your symptoms, I would absolutely uh, try to steer away from, from smoking anything. If you're asymptomatic and you're trying to use it as a preventative, you know, make your choice. Interesting. I think that's good. I think that's good. good <laughs> less, of a, less of a hypocrite now. <laughs> uh, no, do I as I say, good. not as I do. <laughs> Well, I think one good point is, hey, if you are predisposed via one of these conditions, asthma, some respiratory illness, et cetera, uh, or you take lens genetics test and you find out you're high in any of those genetic variants, mm-hmm. TNF or BDNF, et cetera, maybe you want to stay away from a combustible. For me, man, I don't know. As an athlete, I've spent my life smoking cannabis. Like that's, you know, smoke a joint. That's my favorite way to to consume it. And I've never really had an issue with my lung capacity or or efficiency in a workout or in competition. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I think that there's there way more tests need to be done to say that smoking cannabis is as dangerous as maybe smoking cigarettes is? Oh, absolutely not. That's, yeah, that's I mean, that's not, not even a conversation. No, because, but. no because smoking cannabis is absolutely not. And, and also, it's how much you smoke and what are you smoking. You're smoking huh. a joint, you know, you're, you're, I don't think that it's as problematic as you would be if you're vaping, for instance. You know, because, and the reason why is, this is my theory on vaping as a whole. I'd love to hear it. Because there's been a, well, interestingly, one of my our business partners brought this up earlier. He was like, I'd be interested to know the correlation between vape users and COVID-19 severity. Uh, me too, because I find vaping to be really, really interesting. Think about it this way. When you're smoking a joint, you have all the different cannabinoids, terpenes, flavonoids, everything, yep. and you're burning them at the same time. Um, at the same temperature, uh-huh. the temperature of whatever that joint is, maybe 320, 280, something in that range. This is the perfect uh, temperature for conversion of every single molecule that's in that joint. So when, when I say conversion, I talk about um, decarboxylation right. of the acid molecule. So you converts the THCA to THC, et cetera, yep. delta 9, but also the terpenes. They're activated at whatever optimal temperature that is. Mm. Now, when you have a carrier of some sort, so you're taking everything and putting it into a vape, you don't know the temperature that you're heating that up. 
Now, there are temperature-controlled vapes, uh-huh. and if that's the case, you know, go for it and control your temperature. But some of them, they burn out, so you're not getting all the therapeutic benefits because you hit it up at 400 degrees. Maybe your beta-caryophyllin is no longer even Just there. Vaporized. You're not then. getting it. Yeah. But some of them actually convert to different substances, and mm-hmm. there are studies that show that some of them have a conversion. And some of those substances have some toxicity related to them. So, you know, just be very aware that you're not burning it the same way as you are a joint. So that can, yes, you're getting vapor. Yes, you're not getting smoke. But what is in that vapor? What are you getting in the vapor? Yeah. 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 What's all that shit? What's all that shit? Yeah, control (laughs) it, man. Like, this is, you know, part of me is like, uh, man, regulations and Big Brother watching and all that stuff. But, man, we need some regulations. We need some regulations to get it straight. Um, Just have the basic regulations to say, do something that you will put in your own body. Like, keep the quality really, really high of every single product that you do. And if we can get over this whole commerce thing and really say, if I'm going to put out good products and I'm going to do whatever is best because I want to make a contribution to the world, the products will get better. The money will come. All the commerce will come, you know, so it's just kind of a mindset, connection to the actual plant. What is our connection Mm. to it? There's a spiritual aspect of consuming cannabis. I travel all over the world. Well, I used to travel before COVID. (laughs) Now now I Zoom all over the world, (laughs) which is a different thing. But man, I'll tell you, and you probably know this, there's such a connection to meeting people anywhere in Colombia and South Africa, and you smoke a joint with somebody, mm. you have a brother or a sister, man. Like totally, that, that yeah. is a connection. There's a spiritual journey that you both just took, and there's nothing else like it with any other product that you consume. And if we just go back to that and say, now I want to make great products, yeah. now I think we have, uh, you know, commerce will come. I love that, dude. I love that attitude. <laughs> I love that mindset. Um, well, it goes to, do you know the, this ancient cannabis origin story with the Dogon tribe of West Africa? I do not. Well, you talk about a plant that upon sharing it with someone Mm -hmm. of a completely different culture, background, creed, et cetera, um, it immediately cements this this brotherhood, this union between you, this spiritual connection. Well, so sometime in the mid mid to late 1800s, and this French explorer was going through West Africa, and he came upon the Dogon tribe. And the Dogon tribe, he goes in, he meets the chief. The chief sends him up to these caves that they have. And in the caves, they have all these paintings of the star systems. And they start to tell this explorer how this alien race came down from the stars, from the Sirius stars, Sirius A and B, the dog stars. And at that time, we couldn't see that there were two of those. But these people had this knowledge that there was serious A and B. And they said that this species of beings came down and brought them the cannabis plant. And the Dogon tribe has a yearly cannabis festival to celebrate cannabis and to celebrate this event. And they say that these beings from serious A and B, the dog stars, which cannabis... When you break it down, two dogs, cannabis, two dogs, the two dog star plant. These beings came down and they said, this plant will bring you peace. Wow. And so they celebrate it. And this is one of the most, this is one of the most interesting origin stories of cannabis that I've come across. And it fucking blows my mind. <clears throat> I was just going to say you blew my mind yeah, on that, yeah. man. That, that's beautiful. I but I that. mean, thinking about it, this is that's what this plant does. You know, like we continue, it continues to be demonized and it continues to be stigmatized. And even as we legalize it, we're still fucking have to fight to get it descheduled federally. Yeah. We still have to fight to get all of these guys out of prison, yeah. you know? And so, 
it continues to show up as a savior for the human race. I absolutely agree. It's a beautiful story, and I completely agree with you. And all those, look, we're not going to go into reasons why the plan is legal. It has nothing to do with medicine. It just has to do with politics. But if you think about the generations, like my parents' generation, they thought cannabis is the same thing as heroin. It's on the same level. They had no idea. Kills you. Kills you. It's the, the dead worst. End road. Yeah, my dad and I had a conversation with my dad <laughs> while we were smoking a joint together in Jamaica for the first time uh, after they kicked me out for cannabis, which was a whole interesting that. irony. He wanted to try it <laughs> in his in his mid seventies, which was uh, pretty I love cool. That. Yeah, and it, it was, we were talking about it. And I was like, you know, you gotta you gotta understand that what's your stigma? What, what is it about? Is it, is it Reagan? Is it your, your uh-huh. brain on drugs? And he said, no, I, we used to have a guy in the neighborhood that everybody was afraid of when he was growing up and the guy would always be high. Oh. And he goes, we would come over and he would like fall asleep and his eyes roll back in his head. And he started describing this. I'm like, that guy was on heroin. That is not <laughs> weed at all. So all this time he had his preconceived notion that, this is what happens to you when you're in cannabis and it was not even cannabis. So we have this old generation and it, with all these stigmas, what, what's happening now that's really beautiful and CBD like is our vehicle for that. It's allowing that generation with their aches and pains to show that one single part of this plant is therapeutic. Well, mm. guess what? All the parts of this plant is therapeutic, yeah. but if it's an entry, we'll take it. Yeah. And that's uh, but but the the tribal aspect, what you're talking about, that's starting to, I, I fear that's starting to go away a little bit, and uh, with the legalization, with the legalization, and also with COVID, you think uh, about it this way, yeah, like yeah, of how course. do you share a joint with somebody? Like yeah. I have people tripping out, like oh no, uh, you know, so I'll go out and I do go out and I'll bring a joint for everyone. <laughs> so here's a joint. You miss that whole passing back and yeah. forth, but at least uh, you know you have a summons of something like that well the real ones will emerge too man you know i wouldn't mind sharing a J with I you i would uh, love to you know what i mean <laughs> so i think we'll be okay though yeah no we'll be good but that's the thing you know is is the human spirit it overcomes all the spirit of cannabis it overcomes all yeah we'll, we'll get past this day. we'll get past this too it's it's about being able to have clarity yeah right if you know the you have predispositions, what are the predispositions? What are the factors? So there are some that I, I wrote down that you have to be really aware of. So diabetes, uh, high blood sugar, anything cardiovascular, anything blood pressure re- related, they have a relationship to the ACE2 receptor. Yes. That ACE2 is where the virus enters, as far as we know from all the research is done. So if you know this about yourself, just be aware. You know, take precautions, whatever their precautions are for yourself. But you can't go around living blindly. Mm-hmm. If people don't know that they have these predispositions, find out. It doesn't have to be endocannabinoid health. It, can, it doesn't have to be our endodna. It can be anything else. Just go find out because this is an empowering thing. Listening to the news all day long, we're telling you, oh my God, don't go outside, don't breathe the air, don't do this, don't do that. That's only reducing your immune system. So if you want to help yourself in any way, actually take action to help yourself. And I think you'll be in much better shape (sighs) to do that. I love that to end on, Len. You're the man, dude. No, no, no. You're the man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe we'll we'll do... I'm going to put together a little round table. Let's do it. And maybe you could help me pull in some people who would be good for that convo, too. I got you, man. Um, Pull in Kyle. Oh, well, definitely getting <laughs> Kyle in to talk about it. Uh, but, hey, man, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you, man. Thank um, you. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and uh, how they could get your test if they're interested, and I'll have all of that cool. on the episode information. Yeah, it's dot com. It's endo. DNA on Instagram and whatever, Twitter and all those other things. And uh, or look me up, Len, L-E-N-M-A-Y. It's pretty easy. It's awesome. Yeah. You're the man, dude. I love you, man. Thank I you. I love you.
Thank you. I really appreciate it. Great information there. Uh, I hope you guys found that as informational and helpful as I did. Uh, Again, this was the first part of a handful on cannabis and coronavirus. As we explore, hey, what can cannabis do for us? Can it help prevent this, this troubling disease? Can it help treat it? Can it reduce the infection rate? Who knows? But we're going to find out. And at the end of the day, no doubt about it, cannabis will bring world peace. (laughs) (laughs) And togetherness, even if it is just on a Zoom call. Uh, Well, lots of love to you guys. Again, I always appreciate your ear and your support. Thank you so much. Until next time, I am Evan Britton, and this is the Evan Flow Podcast. We're out of here. Peace.